What's up and welcome to another great, new, exciting episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 234. 234. I am Steve. I'm John. I'm Ron. And that is all of us. Or are we our tethered selves uh, oh, yeah. from some other realm? Mm. If, if, you were, if you were your tethered, mm-hmm. Ronald, what would your name be? You notice they all had different names in the movie. Uh, us, which is what we're talking about today, if that's not obvious already. Biff. I'd be Biff. <laughs> I think I'd be Bama. Bama. <laughs> Bama. <laughs> oh, man. I'd probably, I, I, think, I think they would catch on to my Malacca use, and I would probably be Malacca. I like that. Yeah. Or, or Nevets. Uh, Nevets. People used to call me my name backwards, which would be kind of funny. So oh, be, well, that's good. Yeah, Nevets. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of make this happen. I mean, I know we're a little late to the game, but it's a little safer. We might go into a little spoiler territory. We'll give you guys a heads up, obviously, before we do that, in case people listening haven't seen the new Jordan Peele joint, which is uh, called Us, his second feature film. Which is in theaters now, and if you've been living under, unless you've been living under a rock, you know what the basic premise of this film is, and that it's you know was a huge record opening last weekend, um, both just for the horror genre, for original filmmaking, you know, not based on an existing IP and anything like that. It had a pretty amazing opening over just over seventy one million dollars for the weekend, which is just you know, wow, and it's exciting, and you know, you know, if you listen to this podcast that we love Jordan Peele, so it's exciting for him and, and Monkey Paul Productions, his production house, and just like everything they're doing is just like, it's just working right now, and that's a, it's a good time to be a fan of Jordan Peele's and to see what he's got coming up, so I'm, I'm excited to talk to you guys about this one for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, same, and, and, it's, and we've actually been kind of quiet on the social media, at least amongst ourselves, yeah, so I'm actually yeah. very interested to hear how everybody feels about the movie. And then there's this whole other discussion, as you're kind of alluding to, Steve, of just the the importance of what Jordan Peele represents at this moment. Um, yeah. I've really almost had to work to separate my feelings about the hype around the movie from just what this was as a movie. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's hard, especially since, um, you know, we get the South by Southwest reactions prior, way before the the... I guess the critics outside of the ones that saw it at South by Southwest, the people that just attended that event. Right. So we had, it it came in layers. So you get like the, the average fan combined with the critics reaction and it's, it's hyper, hyper positive. Then you get the critics one that kind of happens right after that. And then the first week happens and then you kind of see how that happens. And I wondered, um, on the second week, how people would feel about it, just because this one was a little more challenging than Get Out. I feel like Get Out was a little more palatable. It right. felt like a nice, neat package. Yes. And I, I feel like this explored things. It did a lot more world building, and it challenged the the watcher a little more than Get Out. And I wonder how people felt about it. And there were some extreme reactions to that that challenge. In that. I think it was both more challenging and a little bit more uh, messy in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you talk about the neat, tidy bow that Get Out was tied up in, in terms of what the narrative was and what it was clearly referring to and how you could pretty much make this one-to-one ratio of what the movie was 
treating as an allegory and then what it was commenting on. And I did not personally expect him to repeat any of that. It's always interesting to kind of just, you know, after the fact, you know, you've taken, at least I've tried to take in the film on its face value for it itself as a movie and, you know, what he was trying to say or do or build in this one. And then, yeah, I mean, you can draw comparisons to get out. You can compare them after the fact. But for me, it was just an excitement to see what he was going to do now with, a you know, like a bigger budget, not even a big budget, but a bigger budget, especially by Blumhouse standards. Um, yeah. You know, this this budget for this film, you know, is like $20 million, which is, you know, is a larger budget for a Blumhouse film. Um but you know, it's 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 that's exciting to me, and you know, and I think he's just got such a good handle on the genre, and you know, listening to him speak about the genre and like you know about the themes or you know what he's trying to say in his films, you know, both in the things that he's being explicit about and the things that he's being ambiguous about, that you know, kind of open up the conversation for us to talk about like something like like on something like this podcast, or just amongst our friends and and you know peers that have seen it but like I just I just genuinely feel that like he is such a special person uh, a special voice in the genre and you know I I just was excited to see what the next thing was from him without really trying to carry any expectation in from what I felt about Get Out and it's interesting like you were kind of mentioning John it's like you know he's 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 very you know outspoken about not not making another Get Out and you know and like and trying to kind of upend what people's expectations are of like what the next movie was going to be about and you know that kind of thing and I you know I just like listening to him kind of lay that out for people um, or lay it down for people just like you know I listened to him on a podcast recently and he just was saying like interesting things about you know like oh the next movie you're going to make is obviously going to be about race and and, and he was like you know I, I kind of take that expectation and that may be a part of what I'm saying but a movie like us is talking about much bigger things than just race. It's a part of the conversation, but there are things at play that speak to a bigger issue or a, another big issue uh, in, in our country. And, you know, that's what he's saying, a lot of what he's saying in this film. But I just, I just, I don't know, man. Like, he just seems like a unicorn to me. And I don't, I don't mean to like overinflate it or oversell him, but I really just believe he's like such a unique thing that we have. Um, across, you know, across platforms, you know, TV, movies, um, and it's just, it's just a really exciting time to be a fan of somebody like Jordan Peele, and, you know, that's, that's kind of like, you know, m- my take on him and what he's doing for the format, both on television and, and movies, and over, and just for genre filmmaking as a whole, it's just an, it's a really great feat that he's accomplished, with the first two films that he's made and you know he's got the Twilight Zone coming out shortly and a bunch of other stuff that we've talked about on the podcast before but um it was a it was a pretty big expectation going into this film um you know not to, not not just as a comparison to get out but just because I really do admire him so much in in terms of what he's trying to do and what he's trying to say um you know, for for the genre, for fans of the genre, and for people that want to see the genre be embraced by you know wider audiences, that to understand that the genre is something that should be embraced and acknowledged. I really came into it wanting to you know have a unique look at this. I I kind of felt like this would be the Nicholas Wending Ruffin sort of second movie where he would he would make a movie so different that it would upset people. And I, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that it worked in a in a really cool way. Um, one thing that felt very different about this movie versus the <laughs> first one 
is that and this is not giving anything away is like it felt even i mean i know it referenced the 80s um in the early 90s but it felt pacing wise like some of the horror films that i remember as a kid just just that it let the story breathe it, it like the world building was happening around you and that happened a little bit with get out but something about this felt a little more like you know this this is all gonna pay off keep watching pay attention to everything right this right. is all gonna pay off and it felt like none of the frames were wasted i felt like there was every time i looked at something a sound or a, a the soundtrack went i was like I, it made me tense and then once the action picked up, it all started to get a little crazy, which I loved. So I, I, I came in not wanting to feel like I was carrying the baggage of Get Out, but I couldn't help it. Jordan Peele is being overrated and underrated at the same time. But like, <laughs> There's people who, who, who are trying to turn this movie into the greatest horror movie ever made. Right. And I think it's interesting to see the movies that people are in a hurry to put in that spot versus the movies that there's hype about. And then people, there's this kind of, um, I don't know, disappointment in like, uh, you know, a movie that I love, like The Witch, where a lot of people afterwards say, well, that wasn't really that scary. You know, and I, I personally didn't think Get Out was that scary in terms of the jump scares or whatever people mean when they say scary. Yeah, definitely not. I had heard that Us was going to be scarier than Get Out. So maybe that was the one thing I was kind of expecting was that this was going to be more of a straight horror but that in itself is different from what Get Out was. So um, I think this whole idea of trying to define what the genre of horror is, I've, I've sort of developed this opinion that anyone who is overly concerned with defining it is not that big of a fan of the movies themselves. Us has certain elements that put it squarely in the realm of horror, but it has other elements that put it in the realm of almost like a fantasy or like a, a parable that's that really is even more of an allegory for society uh, in terms of how it works. Because there's a lot of kind of dream logic and sort of just magic logic in Us yeah. that there wasn't in Get Out. Us goes in a totally different direction that almost has a like a mythological or dark fairy tale kind of feel to it. Clearly the guy knows exactly what he's doing and and the more I think about it these these kind of memes that he creates. I mean we had the sunken place after get out. And um I mean we already joked about our tethered selves in this one. So I kind of feel like there's and there's five or 10 other things in that movie that can be plucked out by the culture and turned into something that will last. And so I think we've commented on that aspect of Jordan Peele. Maybe it comes from his background in comedy and you know his ability to come up with catchphrases and memorable characters and stuff. But there, he seems to kind of know when he's got a detail or a hook that's going to stick with you, even if it exists outside the context of the movie in your mind. Did you kind of feel that, like the magic of of just his knack for creating that sort of iconic moment or image? Definitely. Yeah, I think I think the one movie I can think of that made me think about like imaging and stuff like that. Two movies stand out of my head is uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and. Um, like the shining these these movies that have these moments that are that are create you can tell that when the director was making these movies he was like this is it this is going to be the thing that people are going to shudder about or imagine or i i think that Jordan Peele has a very it's it's like he has the the mechanics of an old school director he has the chops of an old school director, but he also has the the new school idea that iconology, things yeah. that are open to interpretation, symbolism, 
all very important with memes and stills that you can put on the internet. He knows that these things could be a lot more relevant than they would have been 10 years ago. So making these things very apparent, very in your face, um, having the right music under it as well, he knows that's kind of formula to create, you know, formulaically a, a, a good horror film, right? But then also these iconology, this iconology that kind of will rest in your head forever. I cannot stop thinking about this movie since I've seen it. Bits and pieces about it. Faces that were made in the movie, darkness and and faces you know kind of peering through the darkness i some some of this shit i cannot forget man and it's very purposefully done yeah it's it's interesting like that you mentioned the uh you know the how you feel like he's kind of got like this mix of old and new school i think it's interesting because there is something about like get out and even in in some ways more so us like that he does manage to kind of insert those things like the tethered and the golden shears and like the red jumpsuit and the glove, you know, where in some cases he's he's kind of paying homage to certain things from the genre maybe, but like, you know, where he's obviously making a choice of, you know, like this film is going to be the one that people think about like scissors as the item, you know, that, that that's used as the, the weapon of destruction. And, you know, like, I feel like that is a conscious decision on his part because, you know, these, the, the, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like there could be, it could be a knife. It could be so many things that have been used so many times before, but I, I can't help but think that there was a conversation like, you know, oh, but this hasn't been done. And think of the imagery of the posters and, and, and what, what magic they've done with the marketing using the scissors, you know, that play, you know, prominently in the film as a weapon, but also as, like you said, symbolism for what the movie's even about. And, I, I just think that there's some sort of mental game that he's balanced really well with, you know, having things that, you know, you walk away with the movie thinking about, like, the sunken place or the, you know, the the teacup and the spoon and, like, the, all these things that you'll just never forget that does set it apart from some films that you might not remember thing. Like, even even John mentioning The Witch, it did a good job of having something like, you know, people talk about that Black Phillip, the, 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 the goat. Would you like to live deliciously? Right. That line, I saw that pop up a lot. These, these things that, you know, you do have in your film that you've got to know as a filmmaker or a writer, whoever, you know, actually comes up with the idea that, you know, this is going to be the takeaway in terms of just that iconography for a genre film that are going to make people talk about the movie and represent the movie in ways that a review never would you know, or could or just not that a review can't or word of mouth can't you know like you're talking about memes and social media like that that just takes the the film going experience in today's world to a level that you know films of of the past never had to you know compete with and it it does seem interesting that Jordan does really have a a really good I don't know pulse on you know what what is going on with that kind of stuff for people that walk away from his films and even when it, when you know when they had Key and Peele going he still was doing that you know very effectively with so many of their episodes and their sketches like and it just obviously feeds into what he's doing now but yeah you know you walk away from us and and there's any number of things that in my mind that I I keep thinking about beyond even the the narrative or the story or what it all means just literal you know just items and 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 aesthetics and 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 you know 
you know, these concepts of the tethered and things like that that just you can't shake. And it just and that only helps, I in my opinion, that only helps, you know, the the film going experience and how I feel about the movie after the fact even. He's done his homework. He loves a lot of the same classic horror films that fans of the genre already like. Absolutely. And then he is doing something different, not just because of 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 his his point of view really but who he is and the time he's making movies and all of that's very exciting and you keep hearing people talk about he's the next M. Night Shyamalan he's the next Steven Spielberg right he's the next uh, Alfred Hitchcock Um, and I actually have thought about those last two a lot because I was like you know this whole Twilight Zone thing is very much like an Alfred Hitchcock or Steven Spielberg thing where his name and face is all over this show but he's really not going to be the guy who writes and directs any of the episodes that I know of, maybe he's going to dip in and do one or two, but as executive producer, it's like he's got the clout now in that Spielberg way That's to true. say, oh, this, this guy signing on is going to be what sweetens it for someone to sign on. Oh, is Jordan Peele's involved? Maybe he's the one making calls. Maybe he is picking directors and writers and shaping stories. Who knows how actively involved he is, but you see his name on it. Yeah. And it reminds me of when it used to be like Steven Spielberg Presents or produced by Steven Spielberg. And, you know, it was a cottage industry within... Hollywood and Alfred Hitchcock same way he shows up and and introduces every episode of Alfred Hitchcock presents but I don't think he wrote and directed those you know I think he just kind of his imprint was on it and there was a certain quality control that had to do with his operation and it's yeah. interesting to me that Jordan Peele is at that spot right now where Twilight Zone is going to be sort of like a brand expansion for him yeah yeah I guess we should get into the movie itself yeah, yeah. um what are some of the strengths what are the, some of the things he walked away with um I'd I'd say the strength to me were the characters. Um, this is one of the movies, you know, you know how we feel about kid actors. They suck. And this is one of those movies where the kid actors excelled in a way that I just really loved the dynamic between the parents and the kids. And then when things got a little more serious, um, I really liked the dynamic that they had between them. The little subtle things, the little things that kind of made you wonder. Um, obviously, the best part of this movie, acting-wise, is Lapita. She killed. She fucking killed it. Yeah, I, wow. I, I, I was taken aback, honestly, by how layered the performance was. There were things that made me uncomfortable that I, I that wound up becoming unraveling at the end. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think the strong thing at the very heart of it is um, the characters. The unfolding of the story, part of me feels like um, it could have been done a little better. Yes. But overall, I think the story and the roots of it and the explanation were done really well. So that that's that's what pops up in my head right now. That's what's in my head. Yeah, you can't talk about this movie without talking about Lupita, like, front and center. That is an amazing performance. She's just doing something kind of on both sides of that coin, this dual role. She's doing something amazing in both roles. And I have to say that one of the things about her her performance in the role of Red, that was her name in the credits, uh, Lupita's double. Correct, yeah. Her red jumpsuit double. It borders on ridiculous when she starts talking. And... and and yet it works. It, the creep factor of it is so strong. 
it sucks you in. But I loved those kind of chances that were taken. Tim Heidecker is another uh, performer who gets to do some things in this that are reminiscent of what he might have done in a particularly bizarre sketch on Tim and Eric, but it's got this different context. You can see what Jordan Peele was doing in the moment and that, that he had the trust of these performers and and he trusted these performers and he cast it really well. And there's some amazing things. I mean, Lupita is, is the obviously the the main ingredient, but I thought um, the more I think about what Winston Duke is doing in this movie, I think it's a really funny performance and it's kind of one of those performances that comments on the kind of uselessness of men right, right, right. in a way that is not a one-dimensional critique. It kind of shows the ways in which he's a good father and he's a loving husband and he really is trying to uh, hang in there and, and be supportive of everybody, but he's just clueless about what's really going on. And he really has to be told uh, in the harshest terms uh, that he's he's not helping at a certain point. Right. I read somewhere that he said he based the, the performance on Homer Simpson. And it clicked for me in this beautiful way that I was like, that is so brilliant that he did that. Because it really is like a doofus... I mean, he's a little silly, a little cartoonish, in, including in a scene where he's fighting and he's not really handling himself uh, uh, that well. <laughs> it's kind of... He's kind of pitiful in some scenes, you know? Um, and that makes you root for him and makes you worry about him, but it also is an interesting character to to support this other role. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you guys have said. I mean, the performances stand out... Um... I, one of the other things that really stood out to me was um, I just felt like overall I was really impressed like just the the direction itself was like an, an obvious next step for it for Jordan Peele I just felt like the shot composition I mean get out had its you know had its look and like you know a palette and I mean there's some interesting stuff like after the fact looking at a lot of like the color tones and things like that between the two films and um, how much that shifts in this film to a different color scheme altogether and a lot of the cinematography and, and blocking, it just, there just seemed to be like another level operating in terms of like filmmaking in this film, um, you know, for him and for his entire cast. And like you guys were saying, like, I, I just felt like, you know, even the supporting cast, I, I felt like that scene with, uh, with Elizabeth Moss, uh, when she's kind of sitting in front of the vanity, I thought just sitting there for like a minute, just like kind of musing as she has access to this thing that she's never accessed before. It just, I mean, like, even something small like that, which is almost a throwaway scene in the grand scheme of this film, it's not because, like, the cast is just all in and is just there to bring it. I would watch a whole movie of her and Tim Heidecker's characters being uh, shitty and passive-aggressive uh, with oh, yeah, each and, other. and hating each other, <laughs> yeah. too. We love her already. I've loved her for Mad Men. For sure, yeah. And I loved her in The One I Love, The One You Love. The One I Love, I think. I, I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. Hey, that was another movie with creepy doubles in oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah so, right? Interesting. <laughs> the other thing I was, I was going to mention was, like, I just think that it's really cool that, you know, he has a... a he has, an, you know, the, the main characters of our film, you know, are a black family, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they're a black family. They're just the lead family in this horror film. And, and I think that's like a really important thing that he is really showing should be better represented, you know, in his efforts and even in comments he's made recently um, about his decisions with casting. Because he made a great point is that like this has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, in the grand scheme of what this movie is saying that this family, you know, is a black family. The film is not, you know, what a lot of people probably expect it to be when it comes to that. I just think it's amazing that they are just this normal family, you know, that something bad is happening to. But it has nothing to do with that factor. And, and you know, it, it seems like that's always got to be something that means more than it is. But, I mean, like, you know, his efforts in showing this film 
you know, in terms of what it's about and like, you know, reflecting us as a country and this is what this is what our country looks like, you know, like this is representation and I mean, we've been talking about this a lot lately with different kinds of movies representing different kinds of underrepresented, you know, groups of people and I think that, you know, it succeeds so well in that factor from the beginning of the film to the very end that never once is anything like I, I get sick of people like saying like you know things kind of felt like kind of forced or heavy-handed or like this is just like doing this because it needs you know he, he's a black filmmaker doing this and I don't understand people that say that because it, it's not it's not a factor in what this movie is, is about or ultimately what people are going to walk away from the theater thinking. You're just watching a family go through something horrific. And I just think that that works so well in the movie. And, you know, I just think that the idea of having, you know, Lupita in this lead role, which is crazy that this is like her first ever lead role. You know, this is like an Oscar winner, you know, who's just pretty great in everything that she does. Um, but it just seems very you know, important that she got a lead role and like you, you've all been saying, and I totally agree, you know, she just like absolutely is amazing. And, um, this is a family that, you know, you care about from the moment that you're in that car with them at the opening of the film and that you just buy into almost like, you know, everybody's been comparing that family dynamic to like poltergeist. And that, that is an app. I think that's a good com comparison because, you know, immediately with both of those scenarios with those families like you know from the beginning of your interaction with them you know you buy into the fact that there's humor in this family that there's trust in this family that there's respect you know you just you just are told so much in only a few scenes and that's something that is an accomplishment you know and yeah it is it makes the whole movie work for me I was trying to think if I had anything else to really say about this before we move into what might be considered spoiler territory. Ronald, do you have any other kind of general thoughts about the movie? Just that, like like Steve was saying, I, I really just like the... I, I talked about this a lot. I mean, especially since we've been doing the podcast for so many years, just wanting to see stories that just so happen to be about black people, just yes. so happen to be about minorities, just so happen to be about women being leads and funny. And, and, and this is this is... Something's happening, and it's more than a fad, and I love that it's happening at the pace that it's happening. Um, that stuff happening on TV as well, and it just it just made me super happy, on top of it just being an interesting movie. So, yeah, that's all. It, it's interesting. Like it, it's, it's like a no-brainer when you think about what you're saying and like what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to articulate. And, and, and you know, it's, it's no coincidence that you have a film come along like Black Panther or a film like Captain Marvel – or even this film, you know, a film who respectively had the biggest box office of its year, you know, had the biggest box office for a, a woman in the lead role, had the biggest box office in the past decade for an original film. And these are all films that are showing underrepresented people of this country and of the world. And like, that's not a coincidence. That's because the world is made up of every kind of person and it's just not happening enough that people that identify with that can go to a movie and be like, yeah, like you just said, Ronald, like that, that is, that is somebody that I identify with, or that's somebody that, you know, a woman that like, this is, th that looks like me, or, you know, I could be that person or I could be that superhero or she is me or whatever. It's just mind blowing to me. The more I think about all this stuff. And I mean, I, I consider all of us to be very in tune to like the industry and like what's going on and like, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. But, you know, when you just think about those three movies, just the most recent ones that even come to mind, 
and you talk about the records that they're breaking and and the bar that they're setting for, you know, just box office stuff alone. And how much the culture has embraced them and like g- given them this this other meaning, you know. Yeah, like what what what's missing from this equation that you guys are that that you guys quote unquote like Hollywood, the people that make decisions, you know, people are people are talking to you, people are voting with their dollar, with their time, you know, this is what you need to be making more of, you know, to to satisfy, you know, people that want entertainment that that is relatable, and it's just it's just amazing. That it's been, you know, growing more recently and, and improving more recently, and you see more, you know, representation in, in film and TV, like Rana was saying, that it's just it's great to see a movie open to seventy plus million dollars with primarily black cast leading the film, a black filmmaker, and it's just like, but but really, it has nothing to do with the movie. Like this is a movie that everybody can watch, and everybody wanted to see. Yeah, like everybody's dying to see this film. And it's just important to acknowledge that and to say, like, we want more of that. Do more of that. Go, go. you know, your dollar, your box office dollar is what's going to tell them that should be the case. And it's happening and we're, we're benefiting from it because great stuff is coming out that that is, you know, showcasing that kind of stuff. You guys have probably seen this story about Jordan Peele saying that he doesn't see any reason why in the foreseeable future why he would need to create a story that he would devote his time to that would have a, a white dude as the lead. And um, right, I, right, I, yeah. I honestly have seen more people in, in support of that statement than than back than, than expressing some backlash. But I'm to understand that, you know, in the usual predictable way, Twitter has erupted with people saying that that's racist of him. Um, and it's to me, it's so crazy to to picture that sort of damned if you do damned if you don't aspect that oh, yeah, that man. it's like it's all about make it's all about telling your own stories but then when people try to tell their own stories some people are like well what, why am i not centered in your story and he didn't even say he'll never cast white actors he, uh, he said he doesn't see himself needing to do that or you know it's just like he's seen that movie i think is what it, what he said oh yeah he said i could mm-hmm. put a white guy in these movies but i've seen that movie so i'm not going to do that um, you know, he's given great roles to like Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener and uh, Elizabeth yeah. Moss and I mean, and, and Tim Heidecker. So, I mean, clearly the guy's not saying like, hey, I'm not going to put any white people in my movies. Right. Just the fact that he's saying, I don't think they need to be the lead of my movies because I can bring what I want to bring. He's he's actually saying what you guys are alluding to, that that's part of his plan to actually represent that, actually represent diversity and um, you know, new voices, new faces and everything without it, as you were saying, Steve, without it necessarily having to be a message about that. And I think as we go into spoiler territory, we can talk a little bit about what the message of this movie might have been. That might actually be a good place to start uh, with that. So if you're listening and you haven't seen the movie and you want to preserve some surprises, we're saying go see this, right? Not one of us is cautioning people. No, no, go see. <laughs> this is a go ahead for sure for me. Go ahead. Yeah, go please. Ahead. so let's go underground guys and uh talk a little bit about what the message of this what the what the end of this movie means what the overall effect of it was what what did you think if this was an allegory which i think we've all said we don't think this was a neat and tidy allegory like get out was but if this was an allegory what was it an allegory for what was this Hmm. weird fairy tale about good question i I mean the the line of the film that really kind of stood with me after leaving it and i think about like trying to parse it all out is like is the line that Red delivers that she just says, we are Americans. Part of my takeaway is almost like the flip of a coin in terms of opportunity in this country and, you know, the ability to have and have not 
and um, how it's not all like genuinely decided in any good manner, and it really is not something that probably should be decided by anybody but someone's efforts, you know, and, and given, giving access to people to be able to try because, you know, the more you kind of think about a lot of the, well, even the twist and, you know, even the beyond, before you get to the twist of the film, you can just, you can see that he's really trying to say something about, you know, just system, systemic repression and just, you know, trying to separate um, and, and yet still control people um, by any means, I guess, or by means that you think you have control of as, a, as an overseer or, or whoever, whoever the they was that we don't really get much information on. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just, I just think about the idea of just saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm basically just like you. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, I am, uh, I'm not given the opportunity that you are and I'm not afforded the, the, the life that you are because, you know, I'm, 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 I'm less than you in some way. And that, that's kind of, it's kind of a wild idea to play with in a horror film. Uh, yeah, the, the less fortunate um, are not, I, I, think, I think there's a narrative that's, that's kind of built in this country where people say they're pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, but that normally comes at the cost of someone's freedom, someone's uh, liberties. Right. And, and what happens is if you don't, if you don't give back to the community that is less fortunate, they'll take it back, you know, through whatever means there, there, there is. Right. Uh, women's rights are at, uh, and at this crazy for, uh, crossroads where, exposure and fearlessness is being put at the forefront with there was a lot of fear but the the fear was the the barricade between fear and expression was oppression and oppression can be superseded by these forces these forces which are are bigger than us sometimes. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're in the middle of something happening. Okay, so I'll give you an example. I was in the middle of the uprising in Baltimore, and there were a lot of things happening, right? But at the heart of it, the someone being killed created this chaos, and the people that felt like they had been, you know, treated poorly, spoke up. <laughs> You know, and sometimes it's not the way you want to hear it. Sometimes it's very loud and disruptive. And I think that's what this represents. This was the disruptive cry out of the people that are kind of in the underbelly of society, or at least what we perceive to be the underbelly. Yeah, and that the people that are on the so-called surface are the people who are living their lives innocently. And we see them as good people. And we totally relate to the family in this. And then they themselves are kind of coveting or at least the Winston Duke character, Gabe, is kind of coveting. Um, Josh and Kitty. Josh and Kitty have more than our main family has, and and Gabe is like kind of openly jealous of that and is doing things to maybe kind of try to appeal to yeah, Josh. Yeah. And I, I think that we see that Adelaide is not distracted by those things because, as we discover later, she's got much more on her mind than uh, than he does. <laughs> but as far as just that, that, that kind of class critique, it exists within the story. Anytime there's an other, our ability to be happy and be blissfully ignorant is is determined by our ability to ignore the suffering of people that make our <clears throat> sort of middle class lives possible. Nobody is is uh, off the hook for this societal problem 
even if they are themselves working hard and just trying to get what's theirs and just trying to have something for themselves, we're still on the backs of people less fortunate than us, no matter who we are. But I don't know that in the end, I think of what the what the tethered were doing as something that fits a message so much as it is something that in a horror movie is meant to kind of strike fear in your mind, this notion of being completely eradicated. Yeah. This thing was, was meant to be, I guess we haven't alluded to Hands Across America at all, but it was meant to be uh, like a dark... A parody of Hands Across America. Um, and, you know, the signs are now there throughout the movie that that's what they're doing, what they're mobilizing to do. What did you guys think of the twist? And if you, did you think of it as a twist that was supposed to be a secret? Were you at all surprised uh, that Adelaide was actually a tethered who had swapped places with, uh, with the surface girl years ago? I was surprised. I had no idea. I, I, I was a little surprised. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of was, like, wondering about halfway through the film, like, you know, not being able to see that entire flashback, like, what happened. Um, it's kind of like, and then they dole out more and more footage of it. Like, it, it kind of started making me think that that might be the case. And, um, But, I mean, I thought, it was, I thought it was handled pretty well. And I think I, my opinion on it is that I think everything we've discussed so far about what the movie's saying in ways... Is that you know it kind of works because it shows you know that somebody who is like kind of deemed um, you know other or you know the tethered version of a person uh, you know can 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 find success and can find a life of happiness and and whatever that looks like or whatever we deem that to be you know given the chance given the privilege given the access or anything like that that Adelaide had with her family and you know whatever her family's access was in 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 our world or in the, the upper part of the, whatever, the above land. Um, you know, so I, I personally felt like that kind of works or kind of just puts a little bit of a, a stamp on it for me to kind of just drive home this idea of, you know, the effect on the real Adelaide, you know, like, or, you know, the, the character that we know as red and seeing kind of how, you know, she kind of is sort of like when she first speaks, like John said, like how, she's kind of become a bit more primitive and like losing her voice and not having language like she maybe had, even though she still held on to some of that versus, you know, this child that, you know, swapped her, her, her situation for one that would give her access to things that she would never have. And I, I don't know. I just think that that kind of just like drives it home for me. I mean, some people kind of feel like it maybe wasn't necessary. Maybe it wasn't. But I mean, again, we're talking about a film that's a horror movie. So, I mean, you know, there's a bit of entertainment value there I think too um, but I just really like these I, I just really like the notion of you know like we've all been saying this idea of like I don't know I, I feel like you know it's saying so many things about society and whatnot but the idea that yeah. you know society in, in every way like we're all kind of still tied together in some way that you know we may not be aware of what the actions of you know somebody with power and money is having on somebody without it until you see something like that or you know until you see that the person that didn't have it can do just as good if they ever got a chance and I don't know it's just a really it's, it's a lot of stuff going on with it but I, I, I kind of dug the twist and I kind of really liked the the kind of I love the scene like when the son's looking at her at her and he kind of pulls his Chewbacca mask or whatever that mask was down um, like he does when he's kind of like scared or intimidated or trying to, and you know, put up a shield. I, I like kind of ending the exchange between them with him pulling that mask down. I thought that was a really great choice. It ends on a note where you're just beginning to think, wait a minute, did the villain win here? Or right, right, right. <laughs> like, who are you rooting more for? The little girl who had her 
her freedom taken away when she was a little girl and put in this hell and fought her way out and formed this plan and somehow got, a, you know, the coordination to ship the jumpsuits to all the right locations <laughs> across the country and to get everybody those scissors. John, they had a and, lot of time. Uh, they had a lot that. of time. Yeah, I know. They had a lot of nothing but right, time right, down there. Right. I got it. And just, but there's just one person who can talk. So I, I really want to see what that what that courier system looked like. But anyway, <laughs> um, no, that stuff was, that's the kind of stuff I, I mean when you just have to kind of gloss over the sort of magic sure. of it. The explanation you get is that this was part of an experiment. Sure. And if you have the idea that the government was behind this, you can imagine that maybe... There were jumpsuits down there or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter much. Why were the rabbits there? What was that all about? There's a lot of reasons you can read into the thematics of that. And I think there have been fan theories and speculation and explainers and all kinds of stuff online right. to to dive into what the ambiguous parts of this story might be. And I think Jordan Peele is probably out there giving some answers, but I don't think he's he's putting everything in a, in a capsule the way he would when he talked about uh, Get Out uh, after the fact. So I think this movie is meant to kind of be a little bit uh, mysterious and and weird. And I think that ending, to me, it, yeah, it sort of says this little boy knows that his mom is different, but maybe he's always sort of suspected right. it. Yeah. But I began to think, I mean, pretty much what you said, Steve, when they didn't show us the end of that scene at the beginning of the movie in the funhouse, yeah. I was like, oh, she had to be switched because why would you do it that way and not have that be the kicker? But it, it I think both of you sort of alluded to this, that it, it came out more like a character reveal and less like a, a Shyamalan twist that was meant to make me put the movie in a different context. It was more about just understanding what this character is going through. Sure. And particularly the character of Red, the the tethered version of Adelaide, like that really was about what she's been going through. So yeah, at the end, you, you don't know who like whose story is would be more sad. Um, the story of the the girl who escaped this horrible hellhole and then like uh, and then had to worry the rest of her life that she might get taken back or the girl who had her freedom taken away. And you can't really begrudge Red's mission to get some kind of semblance of life back. And I think it's interesting how the movie does occupy both places of being a, a really pretty solid horror movie, as well as this this allegory that I, I still feel like what we're doing is attempting to unpack a very dense narrative. I, I guess speaking of it as a horror movie, though, what were the moments that were scary to you and how scary do you think it was or how important was it to you that this movie even be scary? The the mirror house that scared the shit out of me when the kid is there and she looks at herself and the choke and that face she makes. Man, I, I'm telling you, I have not since I've seen it. There hasn't been a night that I haven't thought about that face. <laughs> It's it's a very scary face. No, it really and is. Seeing seeing the tethered in the distance is just a nightmare to me. Like the idea of you being in a safe place. Oh my god, yeah. And it, it reminded me of so many movies that I loved before. Um what's the one what's the one about the family that comes in? Oh Jesus, and the guy gets shot with the shotgun. Uh well, there's two different ones that, I mean, maybe the guy gets shot with the shotgun in The Strangers, but the family is in funny games. That part reminded me of Strangers. And I remember when I saw it in the movies and that feeling of just like doom, like once this family, this tethered family came in their lives, everything's going to be different. You right, know, right. like nothing, even if they make it out, <laughs> even if they make it out. Uh, Winston Duke said this really interesting thing where basically he said that the movie would have been 15 minutes long if he just would have listened to his wife. And there's something about the manipulation that he did to convince her to go to the beach that I didn't like at all. 
that I could, I felt like, man, she, he's right. She he, he could have said no, listen to his wife, been a better husband, and this never would have happened. I want to like this guy, but the Homer Simpson thing is 100% there. <laughs> yeah. He's being like, he's not trying to mess everything up, but he is being a, a doofus and like yeah. getting his way. Yeah, yeah. And later in the movie, when she says, you're not making decisions anymore, and she has to kind of slap him down, I thought that was such a powerful moment because we've all been thinking it the whole movie that it's like, he's been wrong every step of the way about what they should do, you know? <laughs> right. Um, even though he also is the brute force that he was able to, you know, he he, he did uh, he did okay for himself. He stayed alive in a way that I didn't necessarily think that character was going to... If there was anybody that was going to go, I was, I was thinking it was going to be goofy... Uh, goofy old dad there but um in fact one of my favorite scenes was the scene where he he fights his double on the boat and out in the middle of the lake i thought that whole sequence was kind of funny and it was also kind of creepy just the dynamics of that boat driving around with the tethered drag behind it uh literally tethered yeah. i guess to the boat yeah. but i liked later when they were taking the when they were doing the body count and you know he was like well technically i'm winning because i i got two of them. <laughs> um but each kid also was responsible for taking out their tethered you know weren't they it's more or less oh, yeah yeah definitely uh and then and then you know the mom as well in the end was well actually in that case it was the the tethered who who won but um yeah that twist to me just kind of felt like okay that explains that part that i've been wondering about the whole movie which is well why would they cut that scene and why would it be this kind of mystery um but yeah you're right it would have been the shortest movie ever if, if she had said if he had just said, okay, honey, we don't have to go to the beach, and then that was I that. love you and I trust your judgment. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you notice that his tethered was kind of an inarticulate doof who basically did what his wife uh, yes. or what his mate asked him to do? I love the control and the hand signals and shit she had. That was an incredible uh, aspect of yeah. that character. What did you think of this uh, fan theory that Jason, the son, is 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 a tethered? Or uh, It just doesn't make much sense to me. I've read a couple of articles, but to me it feels like a reach. What do you think of that, that he's... He's a tethered as well. I think it's possible, man. I think it's possible. At some point, he could have gotten swapped out, and the face is burned, so he couldn't talk. <laughs> That's possible. I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know. You know. The only reason why he doesn't make sense, like it makes more sense to me, that he is a kid who's like potentially somewhere on the spectrum, and that this family has has dealt with it in this very kind of gentle way without making a big deal out of it. And I feel like it was a subtle portrayal of a kid who's a little yes, bit different I agree. without being heavy-handed. And if you made him uh, a tethered, it kind of takes away from that subtle portrayal, particularly through that ending moment where he's he's perceptive enough to see there's something different about his mom and he knows that she's not... Um, you know, or he knows something's up, but the fact that she kind of smiles at him in a way to say, I know, you know, and we're cool and I'm actually still your mom and I'm actually still the person who leads this family. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't really want to see the next part. I've heard people say they want to see a sequel, but to me, this felt like a, a story that was told at the end. Yeah. Leave it alone. Let it be. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, have you heard any other fan theories or, or Easter eggs or anything like that, that really stood out to you that you wanted to comment on before we wrap it up? There's... There's there's so many, but the one that I love only because it's the, it's an Easter egg, and it's only something I love because of how much I love the movie that it's nodding to. In the opening sequence, when they're at the Santa Cruz Pier, Adelaide's mother, um, when they're walking, says that they're filming a movie over by the merry-go-round or by the Ferris wheel. And this film and that sequence takes place in 1986, and um, it's actually um, she's referring to them filming the Lost Boys in the film, 
And that film came out in 1987, and Jordan Peele's actually acknowledged that that's what she's talking about, that he's, like, referencing Lost Boys being filmed in us at that pier in 1986. Yeah, I heard that. I think that's really cool, man. And I, I just love that because I, I, like, love that film. It's one of, like, my favorite, like, 80s, like, horror whatever. Um, <laughs> and anytime I think of Santa Cruz, I just, like, that, that, that boardwalk, that pier, I always think of Lost Boys. So it was really cool to, like, get that nod in there, just, like, a little wink to that film. And, you know, that, that, that's one that I think is really, really kind of fun. Well, he has said every detail of this movie is thought out, and I don't doubt that that part is oh, true. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that always makes a movie better, but if you do enjoy a movie and you enjoy digging into what what's going on with, you know, we we keep talking about the memorable shots and the iconography and the kind of instantly uh, just stick to your yeah. brain ideas that this movie has in it. So it's like it deepens the the appreciation for the movie to know that that attention to detail was there. Uh, so yeah, I don't doubt for a second that he was thinking of. <laughs> You know every possible every possible way to pay tribute to this genre that he likes. The one thing I wondered, and I actually didn't check this, but the, I think it's the whack a mole guy at the county fair or whatever that is mm-hmm, at the beginning, mm-hmm. the boardwalk fair. I think he says that's what I'm talking about. And I actually was wondering, like in 1986, <laughs> what a was that's what I'm talking about out there. Like I honestly don't know when that's what I'm talking about got started. Does anybody know what, <laughs> yeah. like a, what's the origin of uh, that's what I'm talking about? We'd have to we'd have to use our smartphones and figure that out. And we're just not nah. doing it tonight. Maybe maybe we'll follow up on we this. We should have a separate episode just to confirm or deny that. We should. Well, yes, I think we could. We could do an in-depth report and find all the cultural instances of it and maybe trace it back to... That's what I'm talking about. You know. Yeah. He's like, it's like, he's like a grungy bearded yeah, white yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, I know the, exactly what you're talking the, about. The, I, I think that's him. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> oh, that's what you're talking about. <laughs> that is, is what I'm referring to mm, as mm, I speak. Mm, 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 mm. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. That's 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 uh that's all I've got for us. I, I again, you know, I I I I need to see this movie a second time. Like I've been trying to get back to see it again. It just hasn't worked out. And uh, I don't know. Real quick, I I I don't know that I feel like I thought that it was that scary. I thought that it was. You know, there's some very, you know, frightening scenes or scary scenes and like some, you know really well-constructed set pieces that are disturbing and things like that. But I, I don't know that, like, you know, what people usually attribute to, like, scary and the jump scares and stuff like that. But I, but I, but I enjoy that. I mean, I don't, I don't need that. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I more enjoy some of those more disturbing images. Like, like Rana was saying, like in the fun house and the, and the, and the neck yeah. grab in the face and, you know, even just the, you know, looking out a window and seeing like the, the shadows of a body and, you know, um, up at the top of your driveway, and you know, <sighs> the family standing it, there, like in yeah, formation. it's just like you know, I, I just, I just really like that kind of stuff because it makes more, it makes you more unsettled and uncomfortable than than like that second of a scare that a jump scare will accomplish. Which I love those too, but that's not really. I didn't feel like that's what this movie really brought to the table. Even though there's a couple sequences where you have a couple jump scares that work pretty well, but um. I don't know. I just really, uh, you know, there's a lot of just uncomfortable images and scenery and shots that really stuck with me. Um, oh, yeah. And just all of the intricacies of, like, the, the symbolism and the items. And the more and more you think about this movie, it's like, it like literally you get stuck in a loop of, like, why everything meant something somewhere. And it's just, like, that that's kind of more disturbing to me after the fact than, like, you know, the, the, the jump scare in the moment. 
it is it, looking back now one of the most spoilery uh, trailers of all time like once you've seen the movie it the, the trailer shows you a lot like it shows you the 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 mirror girl grabbing the neck yeah. so i mean certain moments looking back it's like yeah that trailer actually does kind of ruin the surprise of maybe some of the imagery but i think a lot of times i heard someone say this is a movie where the second viewing is really the first viewing because it's like the second viewing is the viewing where you know what it is you're watching and now you're able to appreciate what it is right so a very creepy movie very atmospheric but yeah whether it's scary it almost seems like a strange way to to judge it so yeah go 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 see us if you haven't if you have go see it again yeah, yeah please see it. and and we'll talk about it more we should uh you know comment on this post when we post it up on the facebook or get into some sort let, let's talk about like what you thought about us and uh you know um your take on any of these theories or the easter eggs i mean there's tons of lists out there um we can discuss them we try to be a little more engagement on our facebook post so if you want to talk about it there that'd be great um, you can find our podcast on most of the podcast platforms of your choice, Apple podcast, uh, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, we're, we're, we should be everywhere. Um, and if you subscribe to any of those, please make sure you give us a rating, a review, whatever that platform provides. It would really, <clears throat> it really helps the podcast and it, and it, and it, uh, helps more people find us and, you know, hopefully we could reach more people that that's the. That's our goal. Speaking of broadening our audience, um, I've just gotten the email notification that we are now in all of the abandoned access tunnels that run <laughs> underneath the United so that's States. Like, that's going to double our audience at least. I think it might double our audience and we might start to get some really interesting feedback. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mostly groans. I wonder what the Wi-Fi is like down there. <laughs> shitty. You know what I mean? I don't know. Sub-level. Oh, shitty. Yeah, sub-level. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Well, again, we're all saying go see us. Let us know what you the movie. You know, let's talk about it on the thread. And uh, what do we got coming up? We don't even really know what the next episode is going to be. We're going to kind of... 235. Roll with it as it comes. Yeah, it'll be number 235. Got a five on it. There it is. That's it. That's a great way to end the episode. John just put five on it. <laughs> and uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.